Holy crap. It's like raining pink petals. It's mental, mate. What? What the hell is wrong with this piece of shit? I'm so tired. Woo, okay. I'm away. This is me. Ah! <laughs> right, you ready? Yep. Oh, fucking hell. Hello and welcome back to episode three of Fandemonium by United by Pop, which is me, Verity Harris and Jackie. <laughs> Coming straight at you from the UK and the US of fucking A. What are we chatting about this week, Jackie? We have quite a bit on the agenda today, but I am... <laughs> Did you hear that? There's an agenda because we are fancy. <laughs> as fancy as we can be, but I am maybe one step away from comatose today because I have the worst Benadryl hangover. I took four children's Benadryl, which I think is really the equivalent of two adult children. No, <laughs> two adult, two adult Benadryl. children. Yeah, you heard wow. that. Wow. Um, <laughs> Benadryls because at 2.30 in the morning last night, I got stung by a bee <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> and... You know, the thing that just baffles me about this, obviously, we've had this discussion a lot that one of my favourite things about America is the fact that all of your windows have fly screens on them. So how the fuck did this bee get into your house? I don't know. I mean, we've had like a ton of bees around the house lately. Like when I sit outside, they're like it's like the trees are like buzzing with them. It's kind of terrifying. And they kind of go up to the screens and like... Mm look for any like weak point and I mean the screen on my window of my bedroom that was open is like I checked it and like it is quite secure mm. and I mean I guess he could have come in through the door or something and just made his way up into my room I don't know but at 2 30 I like moved my leg and all of a sudden I had the searing pain in my ankle and I was like stunned and like immediately wide awake and so I got up and like turned the flashlight on on my phone and I was looking everywhere to find out like what what had got me of course my immediate yeah. thought was I'd been bitten by a spider because that's like my biggest <laughs> Sorry. fear <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. and so I'm like looking everywhere for the source of what hurt me and then um in the course of that woke up both my parents um I'm not surprised and then I mean my whole ankle hurt like the pain yeah. was incredible I've only been stung by bee one other time in my life when it flew in the car window and stung me in the arm and I just it did not hurt as bad as this one I don't know this was some kind of like just some extra strong asshole bee in the ankle is like a that's a place that's gonna hurt and so I'm like still looking for it and I finally find it in my comforter which was horrifying because <laughs> it's like a fucking bug in my comforter um <laughs> sorry <laughs> So I'm like limping around like and I got a cup and just put it over and then I was like mom because <laughs> you know every family has like one person who's the official bug yeah. wrangler and she is our bug wrangler mm. and so she got it and it was like it had slowed down and like I thought when they sting you they die yeah I thought that so too. she just like left it in the cup like the cup was upside down in my bathroom and then in the morning she was like it's dead and I was like serves it right and then she goes to get rid of it what does it do 
comes back to life. No. It's flying around the fucking cup. So its stinger didn't come out in your ankle. Well, it wasn't in my ankle, but when I looked at its bee butt, it didn't look like it had a stinger either. So I don't know what happened. God. Wow. So that's um, one way to kick off episode three. Yeah, it was absolutely traumatic. But I was up. Obviously, it was like three o'clock after all the excitement had died down. And like I couldn't Mm. fall back asleep immediately until the (laughs) four children's Benadryl kicked in. Yeah. And um, and so my sister had texted me at like midnight when I was was asleep before the bee thing happened and she was like Alexander Cooper from Caller Daddy put up a tell-all kind of video on YouTube you have to watch it and so I was like what am I gonna do at 3 a.m I'm gonna watch this video wow so let's get straight into it I must admit I watched 16 minutes of it after you put it on your Instagram story but I'm obviously not massively into the Call Her Daddy gang not like you. I've listened to a couple of episodes and obviously loved it. Um, so I don't know. Give us your thoughts on this. So, I mean, just for like some background, Caller Daddy has been a podcast on Barstool for like a year. And it's became like one of the most popular podcasts, like definitely in the US, possibly globally. They call it like women's locker room talk kind of. They, you know, they talk a lot about sex and it's too women um Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin and honestly I mean I was kind of inspired for us to do this podcast by them because they were like best friends like we are they you know started a business together like we did and they were massively successful like we aren't (laughs) I was like we need to be the next Alex and Sophia and now basically they hadn't put out a new episode of Call Her Daddy in like five weeks usually it comes out once every week on Wednesdays and when I was commuting to work before corona like oh my god I looked forward to it so much Mm. and so they you know suddenly went silent and you could tell there had been like some weird stuff building up like they kept trying to drop hints in their podcast like something big was coming like there was some weird behind the scenes drama which is very barstool like that is kind of their shtick um like that there's like infighting and you know they're they love controversy and that's kind of what that whole brand like thrives off of so this was like just seemed totally on brand for barstool but it turns out like they oh my god I don't even know how to describe this crazy story because Sophia is dating um the like executive vice president of sports at HBO who is a Harvard grad obviously a very smart guy and he was like oh my god you girls are getting ripped off so bad by barstool like you should be getting way more money than you are getting Mm -hmm. um like you're the biggest podcast in the world um basically they were both making like 75k a year guaranteed for the first year and then like massive bonuses on top of that basically like if they got a certain amount of listeners they would get a bonus if they sold merch you know they got a percentage of the merch um but, you know, he was like, you're not making enough money at all. And so they wanted to renegotiate their contract. Um, and then I mean, there was so much like Dave Portnoy has given his side of the story. Um, Alex has given her side of the story. Sophia kind of put up a weird Instagram story that didn't really say anything. But basically they like came to a great agreement with Barstool. But then Sophia wouldn't take it, even though Alex would. And now their friendship is destroyed and the show is destroyed. And 
Um, I just obviously don't take pleasure in anybody losing a best friend like that because that's like horrible. Hmm. But I am so bored in my daily life that like this drama has just come at the most amazing time. So I watched like the 16 minutes. I haven't finished um, the YouTube video, but she was saying that Barstool were going to give them like the IP. So the name call her daddy and the extra money they wanted. So now I guess all of that is still up in the air and Barstool still have call her daddy. So there isn't going to be any more. Yeah, so I, I mean, it kind of seems like Alex is going to carry on by herself and mm. maybe bring in like guests or um, like she had this guy who she would talk to who she called Milf Hunter, who like people are like begging her to bring him on. Um, I I honestly don't know. It doesn't seem like that friendship is going to ever fix itself to the point where they'll be able to record together again, which is sad. Yeah. So like people have been commenting like crazy because they have a massive following the daddy gang is huge and they're like let me be the new Sophia like I have what it takes you know she needs a new co-host like I'll do it like there's like tons and tons of comments from Mm -hmm. um you know women in their 20s being like I want to be her I want to replace her and so Portnoy came on and was like listen like we're not looking to replace Sophia but like if you think you're talented and you think you're the next caller daddy, like email your real to auditions at barstool.com and like somebody will look at it. Like we're always looking for the next, yeah, you know, big talent. And I was like, why can't that be you and me? That me. Yes. I was like, here we go. We are viral. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I mean, the one thing about Alex and Sophia is this one thing got me tripping. Sorry, a little bit different than us um, would be their um, looks. <laughs> They're a little mm. bit more um, provocative with their Instagram photos, if you know what I mean. Maybe the fact that they actually get some D and we don't. Yeah. <laughs> We that could too. Be, we could be like the nun version of Call Her Daddy. <laughs> Celibate version. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. The PG Call Her Daddy. Lord. So I guess what we're trying to say is that we are going to make this our career. When we come out of quarantine, we're going to be the next Alex and Sophia and we're going to be making 75k a year plus bonus. Yeah, but you know what they actually ended up making was half a million dollars last year. Each. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy with the 75. <laughs> I'd be happy. Listen, if you're listening to this, we would be happy with the 75. Do you hear that, Barcelona? We might renegotiate after a year, but I can tell you right now. We're cheap. <laughs> we, oh, we are hella cheap. That's what Alex kept saying in her video was that everything just came down to money Mm. which really is a shame I mean obviously you should get what you deserve like it it is horrible if they were totally taking advantage of Mm. them and not paying them like up to the industry standard Mm. but like to lose the whole show and the whole friendship over money it really seems like and I mean this could be totally wrong it could have been put on for the microphone instead of the camera shall we say but it really seemed like, you know, they did love their job and talking to each other and like bringing so much joy into people's lives and to just lose that over money, which 
I know obviously money is important and like you said if it wasn't industry standard and for example they're paying guys who are doing a podcast a shit shitload more then that's wrong and it should be like addressed and rectified but it seems like a shame because it seemed like they enjoyed it but and a lot of they brought a lot of you know joy to people's lives listening to it I mean yeah it brightened up your commutes like when I was on the bus coming back from London back to like my parents place and I was on there for two hours like it was fucking funny I like listening to it yeah it's I mean I always thought it was interesting too that like I got you to listen to it a few times and Mm. it's like so American like they have the most (laughs) unbelievable valley girl accents that was the only thing that bugged me and I was just like I can't listen to another one because it is so ratchet (laughs) Verity always calls that accent like a valley girl accent a ratchet accent (laughs) but the thing is I absolutely love Haim and that is how they all speak so yeah true it's just so LA the San Fernando Valley standing at the taco trucks you know all right so besides podcasts is there anything you've been doing to like get yourself through lockdown times the quarantine chronicles as I call them quarantine chronicles (laughs) What? Did I say it like that? <laughs> no, it sounded like that in my head. Quarantine chronicles. Um, well, you know, um, I guess one thing that we need to talk about that's going to be very popular with our shit ton of listeners is the watermelon sugar video. Watermelon um, sugar. Hi. Please don't copyright us for that, Harry. Um. <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, I'm going to assume that most people have seen the video and loved the video because Harry's a naughty boy and he looks very good on the beach. Um, Facts. But the amount of people who I'm friends with, IRL, who didn't know that a song was about oral sex really confuses me. Well, I was watching like his interview with um, Zane Lowe. That's his name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to call him Zach Sang, but that's somebody totally different. Zane Lowe, he's Z- Zane is like, it's about oral sex. And Harry's like, is it? I like to leave it up to interpretation. But he's like squirming in his seat. <laughs> like he knows. <laughs> he knows what he's done. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that someone did say to me about it was that they were they were a little bit upset that there weren't any men in the video. Wasn't there like one guy? I feel like in that group like shot, there's, there's one, one dude with long hair. Yeah. Um, but not like prominent within the video. Yeah, because like in the lights up video, he's grinding up on equally men and women. Mm. I mean, it's tricky with him because you know I totally respect that he's never labeled his sexuality. You know, and when he has his concerts, he's very supportive of the lgbtqa plus community mm-hmm. you know and he has a rainbow sticker on his guitar and he um you know people come with rainbow flags and he wears them around on stage but he's never you know outright said you know if he likes men women both totally fine absolutely respect it and then when you saw like the lights up video and the gender split was very balanced mm. it was like yes totally get it but then yeah this one was definitely primarily women but i mean I guess if only one is tasting like that watermelon sugar, baby. 
There's only one in the video. Uh, but, you know, I actually saw a lot of people, especially on Tumblr, weren't happy with this video. I mean, when I first watched it, I was like, what? What is there not to like? Harry is wearing like a belly shirt on the really? beach. Really? With a bunch of women of all different colors, shapes, sizes, like total happiness. Why did they not like it? They felt like, I mean, it was it was interesting because like the models were speaking out on social media being like, Harry always checked in with us. He made sure that we were okay. Like anytime he was going to touch us, he asked us if that was all right. They like called him the consent king, um, which made like a bunch of headlines. And then they felt like regardless of that, he was all clothed except for his little belly. They were naked basically in bikinis. Um, and there was one of him and like 20 of them. And so he was definitely like, the man amongst a throng of you know half naked women so like where there was definitely a power imbalance there and so it really wasn't as consent king as you know we'd like to believe that's how they felt anyways i mean i can kind of see their point um but then again i don't know if he was running around with nothing on then they'd be like well we're just objectifying harry styles for his body and do you know what i mean I don't know I do because that's like one of the things that I find to be absolutely the most frustrating about the Harry Styles fandom is that they constantly say don't sexualize Harry mm. and because I think it was in that same Zane Lowe interview he was like you're a, like do you consider yourself a sex symbol and Harry was like you know looked a little uncomfortable and he was like you know it's really awkward to think like that yeah and it's been taken totally out of context to mean that Harry does not want to be sexualized in any way. Mm. And I, I mean, I think he was just saying, it's weird to think of yourself as a sex symbol. I don't think anyone thinks, well, most normal people don't think of themselves like that. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's weird to think of yourself as, like, the subject in somebody else's fantasy. Mm. I mean, if you watch the Lights Up video, how are you going to say that he doesn't see himself as a sexual being and, like, mm. expect to be sexualized mm. he's literally stood amongst half naked people dripping in sweat yeah and I, inside I, an orgy i just like i get i get kind of like tangled up in like the social justice of it all and like like am i doing the wrong thing finding him sexy because the fandom has confused me by making me feel like he would hate <laughs> me for that i don't think he would oh, i think he would like to be sexy we're all within our right minds to think Harry Styles is sexy. And you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. If you don't think he's sexy, I think something's wrong with you. Yeah. And I mean, he's so sexy that there was literally... sexy. <laughs> there was literally a freaking candle at Target that supposedly smells like the Tom Ford cologne that he wears. It's like a tobacco vanilla blend that... It sold out, like, overnight once people realized that it smelled like him. <laughs> Can I just say, I have nuzzled in Harry Styles' armpit, but I can't actually remember what he smelled like because I was just so, like, in awe of being near him that I forgot to breathe. I mean, it's understandable. And also, who knows if he was wearing that perfume back then? Because that was, like, what, 2015? Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was back in the days when, you know, he had that long hair that did things to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean people he's so 
I have to say it again, sexy. Uh, Take a shot. (laughs) That people want their house to smell like him, you know? I mean, it's just, that's like one of the wonderful safe things about being a fan of somebody is that you can find them attractive and it's harmless. So like the the fact that all these Harrys come out and like, really really attack you if you sexual i mean i understand they don't like when they go on tiktok and like girls are like how big do you think harry's dick is like okay like maybe Mm. let's keep that to ourselves that's a little weird that is definitely you know for like the group chat rather than the social media pages yes but like if he's gonna i mean one of his promo photos for his album is him lying on his back with his arm draped across his middle naked and i ain't complaining (laughs) well I mean, if there's one thing we can agree on, that Harry Styles brings out a lot of love, which leads us on to the next point on our agenda, which is, of course, Taylor Swift's um, new concert that um, she filmed in Paris with the very, very clever title, City of Lover, which, you know, we've got to take our hats off to her. I have to confess something to you, though. You ain't watched it, have you? My plan was to wake up this morning and watch it before we recorded, but because of the children's Benadryl hangover, I did (laughs) not wake up in time. Well, that's disappointing, Jacqueline. But the real reason is because I really want to bring in more stories about my insane family into this podcast because I just think... I just think we should have been a reality show like the Kardashians. What's happened now? Um, We have been in super lockdown because my parents are high risk. So we, I have not been inside a store for three months. We needed a new couch desperately in our room that has like the big TV. And so we knew we wanted the same one that my sister and her boyfriend have. And it was on sale. It like went into like the outlet at the local furniture store. And so it was like an amazing price. They were doing free delivery. And so it took me like a month, but I managed to convince my mom that we could have a furniture delivery safe. And so (laughs) we finally got this new couch for the room that has like the good big TV and she wouldn't let me use the couch. (laughs) It came on Tuesday. She wouldn't let me use it until today, which is Saturday because it needed all that time to let the germs die. (laughs) And so I really didn't want to watch City of Lover on like our little like 26 inch TV that we keep in the other room. I wanted to watch it on our like good big one. And so I wanted to watch it today, but that's what happened. I mean, I suppose I'll forgive you. Um, So just tell me about it. Tell me what I've missed. Well, I don't want to give too much of it away because you know, I, my opinion is that the Taylor, I've seen quite a few Taylor Swift live shows and I just think she's one of the best performers out there. Not even just the performance, but the amount she thinks about everything that goes into it. So like even down to, you know, the light up bands and the confetti, which have got different things like lyrics written on them when that comes out and like people she sings about seagulls and then someone comes running around with like seagulls on the stage and everything just fits together so perfectly that you're like, wow, God damn, it was worth spending a hundred quid on this ticket. Um, so 
I will say that the City of Lover show is a lot more stripped back. She's singing the songs how she originally wrote them. So some of them are just her and an acoustic guitar. Some of them are just her and the piano. And she has such an amazing voice that she just sounds so, so good. That's my favorite Taylor is yeah when she's just, yeah. I was going to say, I remember you just... What was the other gig that she did? Was it like Tiny Desk or something? Which it was, you, I was... lost my mind on Tiny Desk because I thought, um, what the hell is that song called? Lover. Lover. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I never liked it when it was on the radio. I thought it was overproduced. And then when I heard her do it just on the piano for Tiny Desk, I was like, oh my God, like it totally changed my whole opinion of that song. And then in um, Miss Americana, like when she shows some of her songwriting process, mm. just mostly on an acoustic guitar, I'm like, these songs sound incredible the way she wrote them. So and good. I think, I mean, I'm sorry to her producers. I just don't love what they do to her songs. I think her songs are way better stripped back and just kept simple. I, I think they're they're just massively overproduced. There we go. That's um, Jackie Colgraf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in that same vein, like when I went, when I went to the Reputation tour, which admittedly was my first Taylor Swift concert, I'm pretty sure, because I was never, I wasn't a huge fan of hers until recently, um, mm. and now like she's definitely like my number one Spotify artist. But anyways, when I went to the tour, obviously it cost a freaking fortune. It was like one of the most expensive like single concert tickets I've ever yeah. bought. Um, I mean, I, I half of me felt like it was worth it because the production value was amazing and then the other half of me was like it was overproduced just like her music like I would have much rather it have been like an Ed Sheeran concert because like he can literally stand on a stage in the middle of Gillette Stadium which holds 70,000 people and it's like him his guitar a loop pedal a couple screens and like he captures the attention of everybody there he does not need all that gimmicky stuff and I think she could do that too I think she could, but I don't know. I just feel like now she's done that for so long that that is kind of her and that's what you think you're getting from one of her shows. Yeah. So I saw her on like the Red Tour. Um, I saw her in Hyde Park for 1989 and I saw Reputation. And they're all of like a very similar ilk, which is, you know, like big production values like that is kind of half of what you're paying for um but again like yeah I would I would be totally happy with her doing stripped back versions like she did in Paris um I think a lot of her fans would but I I think like the more casual Taylor Swift listeners who might I think there'd be a lot of them who would have bought a ticket thinking this is going to be a massive pop show and they would be disappointed if it wasn't so was the city of lovers show it was smaller right like it wasn't she wasn't in a stadium yeah. or was she in a stadium no no it was no it was small um it was in some venue in paris which i can't remember the name of couldn't pronounce um, it anyway probably couldn't pronounce it yeah you're right <laughs> um and it was filled with just competition winners mm. So I think you had to um, like enter radio competitions in order to get access to that show. Yeah. Right then, are you ready for a game? Oh my God, I'm so ready for a game. Oh my God. Oh my God. So this week, instead of what did we do last week? Accent challenge. Accent challenge. 
this week, <laughs> I am going to get you to try and guess some British slang words. Now, I have been writing down a few different words um, and phrases that I want you to guess. And if I'm totally honest with you, I found this really, really difficult <laughs> because I have spoken to you every single day of my life for the past four or five years. Right. And you probably understand me better than some English people. <laughs> so for me to find some English words that you haven't heard me use or you don't know mm. has been really tricky. <laughs> well, last night I found out about kitchen roll. This is the thing. I mean, like, I'll always remember, like, I think we went for a walk. Yeah. We must have gone to like walk the dogs and I was talking to your mum and I was like, yeah, when I did something at uni and she was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, at uni? And she was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with this woman? Why does she not understand what I'm saying? So yeah, I take it for granted that you understand what I'm chatting shit about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from being a fan of One Direction. <laughs> And I'm still learning more from watching Zoe Sugg vlogs like Kitchen Roll and Lou Roll last night. So What about Bug Roll? Oh, is that just another like toilet? Yeah, I mean the bug is the toilet. Oh my god. I just think whenever you guys take paper in any room, it just becomes the name of that room plus roll. <laughs> For God's sake. Right. Alright, so I'm you're gonna say a word and I'm gonna guess what it means. Yeah. Okay. Right, you ready? I'm so ready. Tatties. Tattoos. No. <laughs> no. That's just tats. Tatties. Titties. <laughs> but like big ones. <laughs> She's got huge tatties. <laughs> no. Do you want me to put it in a sentence? Yes, please. Oh my god, those tatties were delicious. <laughs> And it's still not big titties? No. Um, Definitely not if I'm saying it. Tatties were delicious. T you can have mashed tatties, roast tatties. Oh, potatoes. Tatties. Potatoes. <laughs> Those tatties were delicious. Those tatties were fine. <laughs> um, all right. Um... I think the next one you probably use too, but there's like two different ways that we would say it. But anyway, fit. Fit is like hot, like attractive. Yeah, but then we'd also say use it for something else as well. We'll put it in a sentence. Um, your fit is fire. Outfit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you say that there, but kids say it here now. <laughs> um, blower. Excuse me? <laughs> blower oh is that no that's not phone is it yes <laughs> have i said that before i'm not sure i feel like i've heard that one you'd be like um i'll just i'll just get the blower i'll give her a ring on the blower <laughs> yeah I, i've definitely maybe you've said i'm not sure but i've heard that <laughs> <laughs> right um dench <laughs> like judy <laughs> yeah like judy dench <laughs> Um, is like a person a dench? A person can be dench. Oh, it's like an adjective. Hmm. Dench. 
<laughs> I have no idea on that one. Um, all right, you'd be like, oh, man, have you been going to the gym because you look really dense? Like swole? <laughs> like strong? Yeah, like muscular. Oh. oh. Man, he dense. Yeah. You're so dense. Um, <laughs> lol. <laughs> um, all right. Chirpsing. What? <laughs> Chirpsing. Spell it. C H I R P S I N G. Chirpsing. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. <laughs> Chirpsing. C H. <laughs> it sounds like a place. No, no. Oh my god. Come on, what do you think? Chirpsing. A bird. <laughs> do you need it in a sentence again? Chirp, chirp. <laughs> chirpy, chirpy, cheep, cheep. If I put it in a sentence, it's like really easy to get. <laughs> well, I have no clue. It's like, um, okay, so I was out and then um, I met this guy and then we started chirps in. <laughs> well, it depends on if you're caller daddy level or you're Jackie and Verity level, what you're doing with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just flirting. Oh, okay. Like we were chirps in. We were flirting. We were chirps in. I definitely never heard that one. Oh, it was really hard to find these. Um, brass monkeys. Balls. <laughs> Balls. No, it's not balls. What is it? It just means you're cold. What? You're cold because brass is cold. So you would be like, oh, fucking hell, it's brass monkeys out here. Oh my God. You live in an alternate universe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've got got two more. Um, I don't know if you use this one. Nosh, like to eat. Yeah. Okay, you use that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and last one, butters. The club where they went in Gossip Girl. No, that's just butter. <laughs> no butters. Um, I need a sentence or or what what like part of a sentence is it? Is it a noun? Is it an adjective? Adjective, really. Sweet? Like nice? Uh, no, it's the opposite. So you'd be like, oh my god, that girl is absolute butters. And it's like, she sucks? She's nasty. Like, she is <laughs> She's nasty. nasty. <laughs> She's nasty. She's butters. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, well, yeah, I think you did pretty well. Thank you. Those are pretty hard. Yeah. As I said, it was really hard to actually find words that you wouldn't know what they meant. Well, what, the other one that I heard the other day on the Zoe vlog was Spenny. Oh, yes. Now, you've been watching a lot of um, vintage Zoella, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's not like that old. I basically was missing New York really bad. And so I was like, I'm going to watch her New York vlogs from, I think it was like early to mid-December this just Mm. this past December where she went to New York and then I kind of just stumbled into vlogmas which is all her Christmas time vlogs um I don't know what it is she's so soothing and she sounds like you so I like it and (laughs) she's just like she's just turned 30 in March I think and 
you know, she's wicked rich, but so nice. And she has a lovely boyfriend and a nice family and lives in a beautiful house. And I just like watching her like live out my domestic fantasies. There is something very soothing, like you said, about watching her and just sort of having her on in the background and sort of she leads quite a normal life considering, like you said, she is. Well, she's bloody rich, isn't she? Oh my god, I mean, um, she has books, she has bath products, she has mm-hmm. affiliate links, she has YouTube, she has so many income streams coming in. I mean, she just has yeah. so much money, but she's still so down to earth. And like, I was trying to explain to my mom, like, why I was watching her organize her bathroom cabinets mm. <laughs> and like finding that entertaining. And I was like, I don't know. It's just, it's just There's soothing. Just something about it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of. I used to watch her quite a lot um, in my youth, um, but that was back in the day when, you know, there was sort of like a YouTube gang of people and they would all link together and do challenges. So it would be like her and Tyler Oakley and mm. Joey Graceffa and people like that. But I feel like they've all just, obviously they've grown up now, but yeah. there's still something about her videos where you just, like, it could be like, she's in the same boat as all of us. She's, in lockdown she's going through it I like that she still talks about sort of mental health Mm -hmm. and keeping things just like down to like she's normal she is she's one of I honestly one of the only people I've seen blow up from the internet to that degree and stay Mm. so normal yeah like I really respect it and she and I like I remember I, I really wasn't a big fan like I just didn't know who she was and my friend Erin knew her uh, not like knew her in real life but like was a big fan and like always recommended her to me and she was like she has very similar anxiety to you and she's really outspoken about like her struggles with mental health and so she would send me like she had videos about like what she does um to help her um with like her anxiety over getting on a plane which is like a huge one for me and I would watch that and I was like oh my god we really do have like the same brand of anxiety like the same stuff makes us anxious Um, And so she was like, you know, her advice was hugely helpful to me for that. And then now I've just, I mean, I never really watched her vlogs, like her daily vlogs, but now I'm just totally addicted to them now that we're in lockdown. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, like I, a lot of the time I'll like get in bed after I would say like, you know, a stressful, stressful day in lockdown. Sure. Um, Yeah. Like get into bed and just like, put on a vlog of someone I don't watch anybody else's vlogs so I've never I've never been into vlogs I there's only two people that I really watch and that is Zoe and then um this other girl called Gabriella Lindley who used to be friends with Zoe I think who does something very similar like lives in Brighton um also suffers with kind of different anxieties but focuses a lot on sort of um home renovations and you know she's only just bought her flat and she's like doing different DIY bits within while she's in lockdown um but she talks quite frankly about you know how she's perceived in like the public um and how much it affects her and like how it shouldn't and how she's working on it which I think you know we can all relate to because we've all had like things people have said to us which have really upset us when it comes to body image issues absolutely um, so yeah I just think both of those people are really good kind of like 
as I said before, down to earth and relatable, especially for young women. Yeah, I think they're unbelievably real in a way TV never could be. And that's like mm. what differentiates YouTube from, you know, reality TV. And it's it's very appealing. And I think I think I mean, I was going to classify me watching her vlogs as a guilty pleasure, <laughs> which I think I, I think that can kick off our pop peeves of the week. You've pissed me off now. <laughs> Pop peeves. Pop peeves. Guilty pleasures. <laughs> right. I put this on the agenda because this is something that has pop peeved me for a while. And it is the term guilty pleasures. I was guilty of using this term when I was younger. Um, and Back then, I cared a lot more about what people thought of me. Sure. To the point where I would be like, oh, no, pop music is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not cool to like pop music, blah, blah, blah. I like indie stuff. Um, I like rock. All of this type of stuff. And then, you know, as you grow up, you realize, actually, I don't care what people think. And I like what I like. So I really hate the term guilty pleasures. You know, as long as your guilty pleasure ain't something that can get you arrested. Or hurt another person. Whatever brings you pleasure should not be guilty. You like pop music. Go for it. It's like a distinctly female qualifier. Like, I I can't think Mm. of ever hearing, you know, someone who identifies as male saying that something in their life is a guilty pleasure. It's definitely something that women do to Mm. you know try to hide what they like so that they don't have to be ashamed about it like I remember when I was I was 23 when I first started getting into One Direction went to the first concert like you know totally fell down the rabbit hole they became my whole life (laughs) as you know it happens um and you know I really felt like people would judge me for that because you know I was in my you know early to mid 20s like why why was I so obsessed with a boy band oh it's Mm. a guilty pleasure like I spend money and travel around to see them and it it brings me joy but I'm guilty about it no 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 it's ridiculous there was no guilt I loved it I just wanted to say that so that people thought I had some shame which is horrible I just, again, it's like people saying it at the same stages in their lives, like you saying you were 23 and you were using it. Like, I just don't want, if if I had kids or whatever, I wouldn't want them to grow up thinking I have to justify something I like by calling it a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I hate that. I think it, it upsets me. <laughs> Pop peeve number two would be? Celebs getting paid for their charity work. I just don't understand it. It's, um, so I saw something on Instagram the other day where it was a celebrity. Are we naming names? No, we might get filed against a lawsuit. Oh, drop the name. Oh, right. We're looking at you, Nicholas Grimshaw. All right. There's a lot more of you out there, but you're the one that caught my eye. Okay. Right. Sit down and listen to this. So we saw him um, put out a post um, and it was for one of these 
you know, those food boxes that you can order, you pick the meals and they send you exactly the right amount of ingredients. Yeah. So they were putting on a virtual dinner party. He was hosting it and there was other celebrities coming. It was like Rita Ora, um, Catherine, something or other comedian, whoever it is, doesn't matter. But anyway, this virtual dinner party was in aid of a charity. I think it was like one of the ones that do sort of like food banks and, you know, making sure people have enough who are in poverty and, you know, they can eat and live. And um, then on his post, it's like hashtag ad. (sighs) (laughs) And I'm like, well done for following those FTC guidelines and disclosing that that is an ad. (laughs) You love to see it. But at the same time, why are people getting paid to do something for a charity? And who is paying them? I don't even understand it. This is something very strange. I remember um, reading something. It was a couple of years back because this guy's dead now. Oh. But. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Um, When they do the big. I don't know if you have it over there. I know you have comic relief, but we have children in need over here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like once every other year or whatever. The guy who used to host it on TV was called Terry Wogan. I don't like, I just found him really annoying. And there was a bit in the paper about how they got salaries for hosting these, you know, like TV appeal things. And he was the only one who didn't donate his salary mm. to the charity. Oh my god, what and a I'm dick. Just thinking, well, why are they even paying those names? Because you're not watching it because Terry Wogan is, you know, presenting it. Yeah. You're watching it because, you know, like other celebrities or whatever have given up their time for free to sing or do a sketch or you're affected by what that charity is standing for and you want to give them money to help. I wouldn't watch it and I I don't know. Oh, the greed is just so ugly. Yeah. It just looks so bad. I mean, these people are rich already. It's just, it's something that doesn't sit right with me. I think that if you want to work with a charity like that, then you should be giving up your time for free and using your image for, you know, helping the brand and getting fans who like you to then find out about this charity and then give them money or even just share a post on social media so their friends see see it i don't mind if a celebrity does charity to look good like if they're doing it for a little bit of pr like okay it's a little bit of a gray area like maybe don't make it so obvious but like Mm. like i think we talked last episode about liam payne like sharing photos of him like packing boxes at a food bank like I really I don't take issue with that like if you are Mm. giving your time um share it also because like it inspires you know your followers your fans to pitch into um you know it's good for your celebrity image like I I really don't have a problem with that I mean I know a lot of celebrities like Rihanna's like the queen of this like behind the scenes unbelievable charity work like not asking for Mm. anything in return also amazing but like if you want to if you want to get some publicity out of it like I'm fine with that just you know don't be heavy-handed with it but like that's yeah. totally fine just don't you don't need to get paid for it yeah there's a fine line like you said you don't 
Well, do you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not a celebrity, so... <laughs> not I yet haven't... you aren't, because Barstool hasn't picked us up. I haven't lived the other side of this to have an opinion, but I, <laughs> I do think it's quite bad taste to be, you know, that obvious. Like, I'm getting paid for this, but yeah. I just want you to give your money to this charity. Especially in this pandemic, because I think I think celebrities have to be more careful than ever right now to not appear tone deaf because it's just so easy for them to be like sitting in their Malibu mansion poolside mm. and be like oh my god lockdown is so hard <laughs> like it's just a bad yeah. look like they just need to be quiet Shh. yeah they really just need to tiptoe carefully around this situation enjoy their Don't Malibu pool tulips. yeah exactly so I guess that leads us on to our next thing with um, people's views. Um, <laughs> we just wanna... hate people. <laughs> Basically, do you want to do you want to talk about this pot peeve? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm sure other people have noticed this, but like, it's like a thing on Twitter that people do, where in their Twitter bio they write "views my own." <laughs> Sorry, it's getting me heated. Don't know why they think they need to add that in especially when they are nobodies but even if you're a somebody who the fuck else's views would they be this is the thing i don't understand this is your twitter account everything you're writing is coming from you of course it's your fucking view i feel like it's something that's like carried over from like the dawn of twitter when maybe people were getting in trouble for tweeting opinions and it was reflecting badly upon their company like there definitely mm. was I mean when I was in grad school and we were studying um we were studying like like pu- publishing corporations basically and we were talking I think it was the New York Times some some major you know company like that has like a clause you have to sign when you get hired that like you won't talk about quite a few subjects like on your public social media because it stirs up drama and reflects badly on the brand and like these people are like big time writers who are usually verified on Twitter and mm. you know they have to sign a waiver that like they won't talk about politics um and there there was like a few other things politics really you know stood out to me mm. um and you know we debated in class over whether that was like an okay thing to ask of your employees you know like are you limiting what they can and cannot say in like a public space you know, as a human who's not necessarily representing your brand, but they're like, or are you always representing the company you work for when you're out in public? Like, you know, so Mm -hmm. that was kind of the debate. So like, okay, maybe, you know, the columnist from the New York Times can put views my own in their Twitter bio, but average Joe and Jane, you don't, you don't need that. I just, do you think it's something like, fake self-importance yes. it's like i <laughs> yes. Yes, I yes yes would never put it in mind like for example i've got obviously who i work for in my twitter bio i've got united by pop in my twitter bio but i would never have the urge to be like views of my own your name is on everything you tweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> who else's views would they be i guess really we, we just are really taking issue with people who are nobodies and feel the need to put that in their bio because you just look ridiculous. But even even people who are, you know, who are verified for whatever reason, I just think, well, of course they're your views. They're your tweets. It reminds me of 
like in fan fiction, a lot of authors put at the top of their piece, like, I don't own the characters, I don't own the book, the movie, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, this is a work of fiction, blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. a big disclaimer at the top, because I guess back in the day, some author did take issue with it and like sued mm-hmm. authors, fan fiction authors for using their characters. So like a lot of people still put that disclaimer up, even though mm-hmm. nothing legal really has ever happened since that time. It kind of like, I wonder if it's kind of a carryover like that. Could be. I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, I guess what we're saying is just don't be a dick (laughs) and don't put that in your Twitter bio because it's really a pop peeve. Don't be a dick with your guilty pleasures. Don't be a dick getting paid for charity. (laughs) Don't be a dick putting views my own in your Twitter bio. You're good. Yeah, basically, that's all we've got to say on the matter. So I guess if you've got any pop peeves and you're listening to this, send them in because we want to discuss them. Oh, yeah. Um, Give us something to rant about. Oh, God, we love a rant. We do. We could rant for ages, me. <laughs> I think that about wraps up episode three of Fandemonium. I sure as hell think so. I mean, pretty soon people are going to be listening to not United by Pops Fandemonium, but Barstool's Fandemonium. <laughs> um, so do you think um, moving forward we're going to have to post sexier um, Instagram photos to make sure that we we do this thing right? Um. I don't know. I only just shaved my legs for the first time in like six months yesterday. So I don't want anybody to think that this is coming from a place of like judgment on the Barstool Girls. It's real for me. It's a place of jealousy. <laughs> I don't know about you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> God, this bee sting is hurting again. I've got two bee stings. <laughs> and I'm bee sting on the Riesling. She got an ass that could swallow up a G-string. And up top, uh, two B-stings. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> drop a beat. I think we better sign off now. <laughs> so, I'm Jackie Colgraff. She's Verity Harris. This is United by Pop's Fandemonium Podcast, Episode 3. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. Thanks for listening. Bye! <laughs>